What's up, everybody? Tyler here from the Antihero Podcast, and I'm selling out for an ad. However, none of this would be possible on the audio platforms without Spotify for Podcasters. Spotify for Podcasters allows me to record, edit, and distribute to all audio platforms for the Antihero Podcast. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, all you need is a mic and a computer. Hell, I don't even think you need that. I think you literally just need your phone. Spotify for Podcasters is for you, so give them a try. News agencies say, coming up, police caught on film, and then you watch it, and you think, well, as a cop, you go, well, that was a, they did a great job, but because it was caught on film and because it was ugly, it sells media. And, and but Sometimes yeah. you look at them and go, mm-hmm. I've done that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Right, I don't care if this video gets zero views or a million views. This is the one I'm wanting to do, so... Uh, without further ado, anti-hero. So, John Hoover. So, the, how many podcasts have you ever done? One. Long, long, long time ago. Okay. Podcasts were even cool. So, I just brought you on as a special guest because um, I got a lot of insight about police work way before I was a cop through you. And so, pretty much the rundown is, and let me know if I missed anything, but... You're a retired law enforcement officer. Um, you worked as a contractor for the agency. And when I, I say agency a lot, I, well, I'm usually talking about police agencies. However, I'm saying the agency as in the CIA. Am I allowed to say that? OGA. OGA? Other, other government agencies. Oh, okay. OGA. Up. And, then, uh, and then after that, you went on to work for that same – and I'll, I'll have you – Give me yeah, the. After that, I went to the uh, another project for a different government agency, the Department of State. Okay, and then so you work for a private company that's contracted by the right. Department of State. Okay, all right. So if you could just give me a quick rundown of law enforcement for you, and then we'll get into the topics. Um, I became a cop in the eighties when it was still fun. Uh, Twenty years old, I was. I came on the job and uh, retired from the job in 2010. I did uh, roughly around 26 years, 23 of that in canine. Um, some, some of the other specialties um, I had the pleasure of serving in was a street crimes unit. That was probably the most fun I've ever had. Um, and I was on our tactical team for a good period of time. Um, and then 2010s when I departed and retired from law enforcement and I was looking for something something different and I only had one skill set that was a dog handler and checking into uh, contracting I got lucky and landed um, a job that a a project that a lot of contractors wanted but I just happened to know the right guys at the right time and got in and got on the premier contract Um, a lot of guys were calling me when I got it, asking me how I got on there. It's just I knew a couple guys who were going in that direction. So, and then that's the and they when you say OGA, that's when you can't say the other ones. So yeah, you say so OGA. I was contractor uh, for the uh, other government agency, and I, I was a dog handler for them, an explosive dog handler. Spent five years uh, with that group in Afghanistan, and came back here after five years and switched over to another project with a different government agency. And now 
you work CONUS, right? Stateside. Right. right. Okay. And what, what's your title for that? I'm a deputy project manager uh, for the training branch of uh, this, this large program. We, um, I manage a, a dog training uh, project for Department of State. Cool. What's, I, I always fail to give people a, uh, a warning that I'm going to ask this, but I might have given you. What's your craziest cop story? So it can be, it can be funny, it can be disgusting, it can be violent, it can be scary, it can be anything. Anything that you've told because it's a good story. Um, Nothing that'll get you indicted. Right. <laughs> a couple uh, come to mind, but the, the, I guess one of the most bizarre, craziest police things I can ever remember being into was um, I, I got a, a warrant and a search warrant to seize a monkey. Uh, I was, we were tracking a fugitive and brought us to a building. And when we encountered the guys in the building, it was a bunch of drunks and they were living in that building and they had a, about a four foot, three or four foot tall Japanese macaque, which is just a, a big monkey in a cage. And, uh, they had been torturing it and, and, you know, mistreating it and all that. And so, not knowing anything about that, the guy told me he had all the paperwork for it and everything else. And um, I went, we finished up our search, and I got back in the car. And that night, I just happened to be riding, had a, a ride along with me who was a, uh, a veterinarian uh, professor, teacher at Virginia Tech, who was very knowledgeable. In the, and I told him about that when we were pulling out of the parking lot. And he told me they can't own a monkey. There's, you can't in the state of Virginia. You can't own a monkey. That was when you were in Virginia. Yeah, and and that was, I was probably in the late <laughs> late nineties. Anyway, so I was so mad at how they were treating that thing. So that I, I the next day we got um, warrants and a search warrant, and we I contacted. Uh, Duke and other places that had primate research and asked them, you know, we were getting ready to take this monkey with they they would be able to take it and they couldn't. And but they did tell me that if we're gonna have to put hands on it, that we better have a lot of people because they were very strong and you know, I, we didn't want to do that. So we brought animal control and uh confronted the guy, he was pretty hostile. We told him we're we're taking it, so you can either walk him to the truck or we can try to get a hold of him and it might hurt him might hurt us and after negotiating with the guy we got him to the truck and he walked and put him in the truck and we took him to a wildlife rescue place mm. that was probably the most one of the most craziest bizarre things i was ever involved in um like surprised by um you know we had a lot of fun had a lot of fun with you know on the streets um just you know de dealing with people interacting with people and uh, you know we used to get you know, if we had a guy we were going to let go, we knew we were going to let him go. He's just a, a crackhead or something. You know, we'd arm wrestle him and tell him if he beats us, he can go free, and we'd let him beat us. We've had, yeah, you know. A good community police. Yeah. Effective yeah. community police. <laughs> go to the same domestic every week with the same people. We'd sit down and start playing cards at their kitchen table while they were screaming at each other, and they, they would just stop and look at us or make a sandwich or something. In their Have kitchen. you ever done this? I learned this when I came in. I've only done it once where people want to get divorced. And you say, you want to get divorced? And you want to get divorced? And they both put they both put their hand on your badge. And you say, as a deputy sheriff of whatever county, I now pronounce you guys divorced. And you guys, you know, are officially divorced. And that way, they walk away for the night. I have never done that. But that, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> um, so, I guess I want to touch about 
or touch on about how cop work is different in the 90s and 80s, 90s, 2000s versus today. And because you're someone that tons of, I don't say old timers, but tons of people that are retired of the job always tell me and they mean it. I could never be a cop today. I'd be in federal prison. Yeah, I, I could. And it's not saying anything against their character. It's just saying the way the job was done. Right. And people don't understand. You know, people don't. People don't understand. You know, when you're met with violence and you have to use violence, it's never pretty. It doesn't look good. It's not. You know. Well, people it, they it, they want to see their sausage get made. Right. And, you know. And, and and that and you know they they watch the police specials where somebody throws a baton and trips the guy and runs up and handcuffs him and stuff like that and it doesn't work like that. You know when when you're confronted with force and you have to use force whether it's a your fist a dog a firearm a baton it, it's never pretty yeah and people people when they see that you, you can tell that when the news news agencies say coming up police caught on film and then you watch it and you think well as a cop you go well that was a, they did a great job but because it was caught on film and because it was ugly it sells media and, and but sometimes yeah. you look at them and go mm-hmm. i've done that yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and what you know when the when the body cameras came around, um, I was I was already gone by the time body cameras came out. But I thought, you know, it's going to catch a couple bad cops, which is good. And but I I was why well, it doesn't show the whole picture, but it, it does give everybody you know the news, the society, everybody a good look at you know what assholes the general public can be because mm-hmm. you're going to catch that bad cop who does something inappropriate or whatever uh, on, on his body camera. But 99% of the time, it's going to somebody watching it on the media or on, online or whatever is going to see how the general public usually acts when, you know, when we didn't have that, you know, it was, just, it was, we were just testifying to how people were acting. Well, one of the times I got injured, I think the first time I ever got injured on the job was we had a non-compliant guy in a wheelchair. I'm sure you've seen the video. And he's like, fuck you, I'm not going to jail. So after deliberating, I was like, well, he's in a wheelchair. He's a paraplegic. So he's, he got shot way back in the day. Legs don't work. Like, let's dip him over. And so he's, he's fighting us. And me and the sergeant, who was terrified of his chain of command, was like, easy, 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 easy. Yeah. And we're trying to dump this guy nicely into the grass rather than just dump him out of his wheelchair and handcuff him. And in the process of doing that, and then him resisting on the way down and comforting his fall and everything, I tore a bunch of, I tore, what was it, ligaments? Yeah, I remember. And I had to get surgery on my wrist. And that was all because we were trying to be too soft. Right. Just because he happened to be in a wheelchair. And, and if you think about that, uh, when you see videos now of cops being killed or injured or whatever, it's usually there's some hesitation involved. Mm-hmm. Where you see cops pulling tasers on people running at them with knives, or or I've seen I've seen videos of cops pulling tasers when people are pulling guns, and it's just because everybody is so cautious and so over overly cautious that they're going to hurt themselves. Where they're not thinking thinking straight because they're thinking, oh my God, what you know what's going to what's the aftermath going to be? Well, another thing too that probably would have jammed up pretty much your entire generation of cops is uh, body cams because they're used, they're sold to everybody as a tool, right? That's how they sell them to you. It's just a tool to help us. It's a tool to get you out of trouble. However, uh, it's used against us when we talk. So now if anybody doesn't know, but I'm sure most people watching this know how body cams work, It's and I don't know if you know, when you hit record, it, it goes back a minute with audio. 
which the unions have tried to fight the audio thing because you don't need it. You need the video, you know, but it's just a backup plan in case you get into something and then you're like, oh shit, it captures it, but it doesn't need the audio. Right. However, every every chief and sheriff like, no, I want that audio. What happens is now they mandate their supervisors to go through an audit um, per certain amount of body cam per week. They have to sit there. So most supervisors, like you know, put it on the TV on their computer and they do their work and they let it play on mute. That's yeah. their way. They can say, they can justify right. they did it. Some supervisors like to sit there and watch. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've talked shit about tons of supervisors and all they have to do is, and it's, and or, and, or you're talking shit about people and somebody walks up uh, I, and I'm that guy too. I'm always that guy who is still recording in the group and everyone looks at him and I'm like, oh shit, it's me. So, but and now they have it to where if you take your gun out, um, your taser out, or you take your gun out, it automatically arms it. Your, if you turn on your taser, it automatically arms it. All of them in a general vicinity. So it happens wow. at the jail all the time. You'll be sitting at the jail typing, and there'd be like 20 cops, and all their BWCs start lighting up. is because one guy out in the sally port took his gun out. You have to turn it off completely wow. so it doesn't. So everything is it's everything you say. And now they got, you know, everybody's got things in their cars where it can record you. I mean, I think we're moving we're moving closer to where you're going to be able to watch a cop live his whole shift. Yeah. And, and, and uh, we, we dabble in that with in-car cameras. Um, I didn't want an in-car camera because I knew dog apprehensions looked horrible. Didn't matter how it was. But when, we were, when they were forced on us, I found out that more than often than not they were more helpful they were helpful to us because it, it disproved a lot of things especially on traffic stops where people make crazy allegations about on traffic stops and when they come in they'll say okay we'll review his camera and they'll go what oh i, oh, I didn't know he had a camera yeah. And they, oh yeah he's got audio too oh, oh well i'm getting trouble but just <laughs> tell him you know and and you know that no the, the, those people aren't held accountable for that and but you know, yeah that, well that you got exonerated from uh, the YouTube video that the guy's right. attorney put it on there because you were you guys were tuning him up, but he was reaching. No, he was fighting. He had a hold of uh, he had a hold of somebody's belt. Oh he was yeah, fighting. He's... And you know, but I, more often than not, I was exonerated because, um, you know, it it just it never happened. Whatever they said happened, and we were able to just pull it up, and that was it. And then you know, I, I I've had uh, a particular um, one of our community. Uh, protesters a community problem we had all the time he showed up and uh we we engaged with each other and he said i you know called him the n-word and had all kinds of crazy things to say that i said and i was killing him with kindness on the video but he didn't know how to video and internal affairs and administration reviewed it because he was such a mouthpiece and um they viewed it right away and he uh it, it was I, I was killing McConnell's told him happy holidays the whole nine yards and I was exonerated, but there was a guy, one of our guys in the video had an unauthorized knit cap on because it was like yep. 20 degrees and they hammered yep. him with unapproved equipment. <laughs> uh, that's, that's. Uh, mm. <laughs> so what do you didn't charge the guy with lying? Make, Cause he made a, he made a sworn written complaint. So I guess police work hasn't changed. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess another, I wanted you to touch up on some topics that me and Sam have talked about one being, the last episode that we recorded was about camaraderie and Sam has been a cop a little bit longer than me about 10 years. And, uh, and we both think that, and we both come from the military, which is a different type of camaraderie and we compared the two, but as far as 
when you started, was there always, was it a fake sense of camaraderie that you thought was there and then you realized that there wasn't or did it deteriorate rapidly while you were there? Oh, I don't think it deteriorated rapidly. It deteriorated, it deteriorated later in the game for me. Um, when I when and, and that all came down from, you know, field training programs and that kind of thing where, you know, there was, well, look at now. They even have, they even have a class I've seen uh, online where they have a class that they're teaching in some academies how to de-escalate your partner. You mm-hmm. know, oh, yeah, we and, get trained on that. And, I mean, come on. I mean, that, that to me that is uh, – that's just a, you know, preparing to be a supervisor class is what Yeah, it's but, driving a wedge in between. Right, right. And, it, and you know, so some person thinks that his partner's, uh, you know, maybe being a little bit too aggressive when he, maybe he's not, and they use their little tactic they just learned. And then now you've all of a sudden you've got a problem created between not just two people, probably a whole bunch of people. Yeah. I can, I can recall multiple times where I was told to calm down when I was, I was taking care of a problem. My shift mates told me to calm down, and then the problem got worse because I was right, I was almost done handling it. And like you said, it doesn't look pretty. And the way I was handling that problem was pretty savage. But oh, and, and it wasn't a chokehold. Wait, mind I, you, <laughs> I, I see. I, you know, I never saw anything like that I, that I can remember. You know, guys lose their temper once in a while. It happens. Happened to me, and somebody's always there to take care of it. Yeah, de-escalate them just naturally. And and you know, I've never seen anybody you know, uh, use any kind of de-escalation tactic. If somebody was a little bit overzealous and, you know, for whatever reason, you know, somebody there handled it and we moved on, you know, that, you know, obviously if you've got some kind of, they're committing some kind of crime, like they're wearing some guy out for no reason that, that has to be dealt with it, you know, but I've never seen where somebody's said to me, you need to calm down and back out of here or something like that i've just never seen that and your supervisors were they were they supervisors that were picked because they wanted them to be the uh the anti-crime the crime suppression style supervisors or did you get randomly a supervisor that came from another land of policing and you had to yeah i mean i I think i had from all walks of life we had guys that came from the came from the field and remembered where they came from and were good managers good leaders and we had some who Never did a look of police work in their in their career, and all of a sudden they're a lieutenant or a captain, yeah. and you know, they, you know, and then they think they know, or or they just have a different way of looking at things, and sometimes that can be bad. Are you okay with talking about the picture? Which picture? The picture that it felt like that was all of a sudden when like when uh, for me it was when all of a sudden oh, uh, oh, oh. street crimes. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that was just, I don't, I don't mind talking about that. That was okay. It. Yeah. So I remember being a kid, that was the first time I ever saw um, what I don't want to call it liberalism, but well, I think it, it was a picture, uh, which I wasn't present for, but it was my unit, and the one of the guys in the unit, there was a picture taken. It involved a suspect, and there was nothing disrespectful about the suspect. There was nothing racist about it. In fact, the officer in it was, there was a black officer in it. And, and it was just a... He was just, he was handcuffed though, right? Yeah, he was handcuffed and they were detaining him. And, and Somebody had, took a picture and they, they, the guy was, the guy was an idiot, had drugs on him, was drunk. And you guys were looking for him, for, or he had... No, uh, no, no, they, we were, they, they cleared up from a call I had gone to oh, intake okay. with somebody. They cleared from a call and he walked up to them with a gun, convicted felon. Dope in his pocket, drunk, 
uh, and instigated a problem and they took care of it and the the picture was of uh, uh, the uh, MasterCard or Visa uh, commercial. They listed how much the beer was he had, how much the gun was, and walking up to a bunch of pol- inter- uh, street crimes officers with a gun in your pocket as a convicted felon, priceless type of thing. It was, yeah. and, they, and they posted it around our office. We had a little uh, precinct office. And, uh, and and it went around an email chain, and I, and I sent it to a guy as, uh, that I thought was a good leader, and he wasn't a good leader, and he was on the captain's list and ran it up the flagpole and got me jammed up over it. And, and I deserved it. I mean, I, I should have known better to send it to that guy. Um, I sent it to him, really? him and another guy. I deserved it. I shouldn't have sent it to him. Yeah. I, 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 made, a, I made a dumb move by sending it to a guy who had an agenda and who was looking to climb a ladder mm-hmm. and, um, you know, saw, saw, a shot, shot, saw a shot to make himself, you know, promotable. And that's my fault. And I, I was very, very fortunate. It, you know, I was very fortunate that I got a written reprimand out of it. I took that all day long because mm-hmm. that, that could have turned horrible, you know. It, Do you think it would have been different today? Absolutely, would have been different today. And and the bad part is... The, that was the, in like 2004, right? 2000, 2006. 2006. Yeah, yeah I, got, I got transferred out of the unit for that. And, and, I, and again, I had been in that unit for a long time dealing with bad, bad people for a long time. So it was probably time for me to go anyway. If I was that desensitized that I sent it to this yeah. clown who, you know, was a former internal affairs guy got promoted, you know, wasn't really much of a street cop. But, oh, and you, but you know, I when I got served my letter, I took it because if 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 that had came out, what really bothered me about the whole incident was the guy that took the picture, took it, was testing out a camera, and they had this guy around waiting for a paddy wagon to get there. And he took the picture. Another guy in the unit was the one that made the poster up. So when they came swinging for heads... I was the one that emailed it to the clown that ran it up the flagpole. So I definitely needed to go. I, the guy that took the picture had fought so long to get in that unit. was in there six months. They transferred him just because he took the picture. The guy that put it together stood quiet, didn't say a word. When they, said, when they wanted to know who was involved, he stood in the back room, didn't say a word, and he survived it. The guy that put it all together. They, they compared it to the Abu Ghraib? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, essentially, the guy was fighting. Oh, that that was what was going on in the in the political sphere right, right. at the time, and right. so that that leader, that and lieutenant, it was, a, it was a black suspect with a black officer pinning him to the ground, and a white officer from another agency pinning him on the ground, and they were just holding him there talking while they're waiting for the paddy wagon because he had kicked the window out of a car. Yeah, and the wagon was coming from downtown. Took a long time to get there, and they were just talking, shooting the shit, and they took the picture and. Um, and the other, the, a, a third party made it into a meme. We, we didn't call it a meme back then, but he made it into a meme, <laughs> hung it in the office. It was hilarious. It was funny. There was no, nobody got hurt. Um, the guy, would, what really bothered me about was the guy that got transferred. He, he, Where did when, you go? And when, they, when they exonerated him, he asked to come back, and they said, no, you stay in patrol. They, where, where did you go? They, they sent me back to, uh, they sent me to patrol as a dog handler yeah. for a little while, and then, just to give me a taste of my medicine and then they moved me over into uh back into special operations and just with the dog unit not not i was out of street crimes but okay. but you know the whole uh, I, I took a lot away from there because I, I heard a couple of people i heard the guy that got transferred and the guy from the other agency he his agency put him on the sideline for a long time and they put him through the ringer and he was exonerated went back to his original job but and he was a supervisor for that agency so um, you know, it, it, it was a learning experience for me. I certainly, 
I, I came out of it very fortunate. And when they were trying to give me my written reprimand, they were talking to me about appeal process. And I just said, give me it. Let me sign it. Because I was very thrilled that, 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 you know, it was a written reprimand. But, you know, it was a learning experience. You guys were. And it was, it was a dumb mistake that I made. And I was lucky to survive it. You, know? you but, guys were the original. You guys were. the. They call them jump out boys now. Yeah, we, our, our city was dealing with a lot of um, homicides and gun crime, and they wanted us, and we didn't have anything like that. And they wanted a special group of people that that's all they did was target drugs, guns, and in progress crime. So there were five of us, a dog, and a supervisor. And we had rental cars, we had carte blanche to do, and we did all kinds of good stuff. And, you know, we, we, we rang up all kinds of stats, put away big federal targets, and, and it was just the best three years I ever had. But, you know, I think it was a different person, too, because I was not dealing with any true victims. I was certainly, you know, it, I loved that job, and that was all I could it would consume me. And it, it was what being a cop, was, you know, was, was about. And I had a dog, so that was even, you know, more fun. And we were dealing with some real shitbags. And, um, and we took a lot of guns off the street from bad guys, took a lot of drugs. And then we kind of shifted into an in-progress crime type thing we had a string burglary string robberies whatever we would set up on those and we were very successful with that just because we had the time and we didn't have to we weren't responsible for manpower and we just took our time we had a lot of success and then you know after three years of that that's that's a long time being a unit like that so i i was i was not upset about going it was probably time for me to go if i was you know that callous i would just send something to a guy who used to be in internal affairs so and, and a guy who was promotable and you know it, you, you, you learn things about people and you know, you know the 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 guy that took the picture was certainly he didn't do anything wrong he took the picture he was working on a camera and they were t- taking pictures of gang tattoos the guy that put the meme together and put it around um he was keeping it in-house he yeah well he went and took them all down as soon as <laughs> as soon as the shoe dropped he was running around taking them off the wall but that but you again, know that picture i put up <laughs> but again you know I, that, that that's not on him that's it was on me because i sent it to somebody who was in our house, but he was our, one of our one of our big bosses in our house, and he, uh, you know, he decided to make a big deal of it. And you know, uh, it, it, certainly it was a big deal because if, if that had picture had gotten out into the media or something, it would have been a bad day for everybody. Um, so I guess one of the other things that I wanted to ask you was your opinion on giving everything you have to the job, because I watch, I constantly see guys. That are over 10 years, 15 years. Everybody thinks that I see it. They they fly this, this, I don't know what the words I'm looking for. Like they're riding high on this job. Everything's working out for them. I mean, it could be one year in or it can be 19 years in. But at, eventually at some point, this job takes the wind out of your sails. And you go plummeting. Oh, and then you're sitting there with a bunch of disgruntled cops after you just fell. And it's like, hey, man, what took you so long to get here? And then, so, and I think that people, they give everything they have into this job because it's, it's what that, you know, I always joke about, you know, you grow up watching these cop movies and cops on TV and you're, it's like, you can't wait. It's the dream job and you start it and things are going great. And then you get shit on at some point and then you're like, oh, and then it's never the same. And you now like, I guess it's like a tainted profession at, at, at that point because i look at i think about this you're to be a cop you have to be a good leader you have to be a problem solver a thinker uh, a social person a mediator mm-hmm. um 
You have to be reliable. You have to all of these things that require you to be a good cop. And it, it took me six years in and to realize, why the fuck don't I just do that for my own business? Yeah. Like you get and this goes. It's kind of a cynical thing to say, and I get when people. It's a bad attitude, but. You've always said it, and it was well before I was a cop and when I was going into being a cop, but I always kept in the back of my mind is that the go-getter out there getting in trouble, getting the guns off the street, getting written up, risking his life for a crack rock, uh, you know, just to be the super cop, risking the time away from family, risking all that, gets paid the same amount as a dude that sits under trees and handles his calls. I had a guy, an old guy, turn to me when we were in roll call talking about a bunch of guns and dope we took off the street the night before when I was a younger cop. And he just turned around and looked at and he was ready to go. He was ready to check out. He was ready to retire. And he just, he told me that. He said, you guys talk about all your uh, big activities there. He said, I don't, I write two tickets a day. We get paid the same. And it, he was right. And I, and I look at, you know, I look at now, it, it seems with everything that's happened in law enforcement, you have the generation of Netflix cops, you know, which mm-hmm. are the, the smart ones. Um, I tell, you know, I, I, I have cops that work for me in my job now as a part-time status where I'm at, and they're full-time cops. And, you know, talking to them, they're the, they're the smart ones. Sitting like firemen, respond to calls, just yeah. respond to calls. It pays no extra to do the extra thing. And, you know, it used to be in law enforcement – it was it, you were doing a good thing. You joined a job because you wanted to do good. You wanted yeah. to help. You and it takes a certain type of person to do this. And then that's what I'm saying. All those skill sets that I, I mentioned earlier, it's like um, almost like a, I don't know why. It's like that person should have been told a long time ago as they're a kid, hey, be a cop if you want. But if you took all these attributes that you bring to the police world and put it into something that you can create, right. you'd be very successful right. because – uh, you know, well, I think too. I, I, I think if you look at what the, the type of people they're recruiting now, you know, even the people that wanted to be police officers don't want to be police officers. Oh, I know so many great people, they, so and, many and, good people that would... left, or they just decided they changed their mind. Maybe they're in the military and they see what's going on out there and thought, "Well, I'm not doing that." But when the economy's bad, it, it it's always it's easy to go to law enforcement or firefighting because it's a secure job. But when the economy's good. I saw guys leaving all the time and they missed it, but they never came back. Yeah. And I'm not, I, again, I got to preface this for anybody. I'm not at the point where I would, I sit under a tree yet, but I do tell myself two things at any point mistake or not, you know, obviously I wouldn't do anything on purpose, but at any point I could not have a job the next day mm-hmm. or better case scenario is always be ready to go back to patrol. And I learned that, I mean, I did learn that watching you grow up and I remember thinking in my head and then when I got in this job and I met dudes on the job that just got burned just by admin that didn't like them. And I remember thinking if I always have it in my head where I'm ready to go back to, if you threw me back in a platoon and I was sitting at roll call or briefing, you know, with my shiny badge, if I was okay with that and I was ready for that, you couldn't touch me. Yeah. And so, and I feel like guys that like when they get promoted and they move on and they're like, Oh God, I can never go back to patrol. I saw that happen with management. You know, they, they would take a guy who was a good Sergeant. In fact, I, I had a guy who was a great Sergeant and he wanted to go to a specific location and they, and he was the Sergeant that everybody loved. The guys loved him. Management hated him because he would stuck his neck out for his men. And then they moved him to that location that he wanted to go to. And then they had him 
you know, because then yeah. he was like, oh, oh yeah, I can't go back there. I got all this, this new assignment where I got all this free time. And, and, and he, he, you know, yeah, I felt bad for him because he they had put him on he had, a leash and make him. Yeah. Bark. He had, he had to change. He had to change. I felt bad for him because he was a guy that every, I loved, I loved working for him. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of the guy, but when they gave him that carrot, he mm-hmm. was, he was fucked because they, 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 there he was. And, you know, I've seen that happen a lot. It, I, you know, if, um, and, and I always say go back to patrol. I hate to say go back to patrol because pro- patrols are meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where that's where patrol all... is the backbone, and yeah. we want to take care of you. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know so you know, it, but it's the meat and potatoes. And a lot of agencies are small enough where they don't have specialty units. That's all I have is patrol. So all right, so we're leaving law enforcement. It is two thousand and seven that you left law enforcement. Uh, Eight, 10, I... 10, 2010. Really? Yeah. I thought I was in basic training or boot camp. Nope, 2010 is when I, I went into contracting. Okay. So you were done. I mean, obviously, it was probably just a pile of shit throughout the your later end that made you want to leave. Um, was contracting a thing? So this was contracting, as if anybody doesn't know, this is the global war on terror was, I don't know if it was spiking so much, but it was in the middle of it. And uh and contractors wanted vets, but they would take law enforcement with certain skill sets. I'm assuming like SWAT, canine. Right. So your first contract that you did over there was that one the company the the agency was that? Yeah, that was. A, I've only worked on two projects, and, and it was that one for five years, and then I've been with this one, Conus, for going on eight years now, seven were, eight years. Were you happy when you? So you did. Oh yeah, I'm telling you, that was the best move I ever made. Not financial, the financial part of it, obviously, because it was a ton of money. But I, I, one of the things, one of the, I always say that that job that I that where I was in in that country for five years, it was the best job I ever had because it was, I, you know, I was away from home. I hated that, but I, I went in, did what I was supposed to do with a dog, and I didn't tried to do anything else. I stayed in my lane and did exactly what I was supposed to do. And nobody messed with me. There was no politics. There was no, com- you know, there was no rivalry or anything else. I just had a simple job to do. And I did it for five years, made a lot of money. And, and you and, worked out of CIA outpost, right? Or OG, the other than agency. Different. They had different fobs and, and locations throughout that country, all over that country. That but that you wouldn't have like regular military in and out of there right uh, we, yeah they were some some of the places there was regular military okay. but th- we were segregated from them okay so um i guess when you got out i always noticed that what would you suggest to somebody i mean you may have it might have been right place right time for you it might have been what was meant to be it might have been a higher power but i realized i watched and your phone would blow up when you were home or your emails would blow up about guys Police work sucks, man. And it's, there's only so many, you know, you can lead, you can give people the opportunity, but they don't have the background. You know, there's only so many higher ups that you can, hey, man, this guy's, this guy, because right. if you got 50 guys, you know, I, I remember you did it for me and I was your son. And I didn't get an offer until I got my first police work gig and I had to pick between contracting and cop work and I picked cop work. But, um, I mean, it took that forever for your own son. Yeah. So what would you suggest to people that are in the job of cop work and starting to see that they're not about, they're not, they, they don't think they can, can retire well, happily. They have two options, right? So they can stay 
and be that cop, the Netflix cop, or or they can, if they're in a large enough agency, they can go bury themselves somewhere and ride it out, get the retirement. It's a secure job. You got health insurance. You know, if you can work a lot of off-duty jobs, you can make some money. Um, you just got to stay out of the, the limelight, stay out of, you know, find somewhere, or just go out and burn 12 hours of gas and answer your calls and, you know, do what's expected of you no more. Or if you have another skill set, you can capitalize on that, obviously. But, you know, but a lot of guys that I worked with, we didn't have another skill set. And, you know, if you're a carpenter or you got a lawn service on the side or, you know, what, what if you have some special skill set, you know, don't let it go. Seize it, you know. But be sure that be sure you want to leave. Um, because I know a lot of guys, I, I, I thought I was going to be one of them. And I do miss that culture to a point. I do miss the way, you know, whatever they say. I, I, you know, I don't miss the circus. I miss the clowns or whatever. I mm-hmm. I I'd miss the guys. I miss the way it was, but I, I don't, I thought I dealt with a lot of, um, political correctness and things like that. I, we dealt with nothing compared to what you guys deal with today. You know, the decision you have to make today. i never would imagine that you would go to a, agencies today, would go to a house for a barricade guy and then just pack up and leave and leave them in there. And you yeah. see that on the news happens all the time. Happens yeah, you see, it drives me crazy when I, I see it. I just did one the other night. The, the, the no pursuit policy thing, I mean, what does that do? That that just creates, you know, a bunch of cops who can't do anything. And, mm-hmm. you know, especially in areas, I mean, there, there's very few areas anymore that still have a progressive uh, or a, a very, um, you know, active pursuit policy. Even the ones that did are now that, that I'm familiar with, they're scaling it down. And now, you know, and then there's some agencies that have none yeah you right now most agencies you can pursue on your own accord as an officer or a deputy uh, for a a specific list of crimes that your agency allows you to do which is usually a forcible felony or a violent crime however a watch commander or a lieutenant can get on the air and kill it right because he just doesn't know the details and even way back then we had that you know but but we chased everybody Mm -hmm. we chased everybody if it was a you know three o'clock in the afternoon schools were getting out there's school buses everywhere and we didn't know what we had somebody was killing that most times it was the guy the cop would you know Mm -hmm. let it go you know it hurts it hurts to do that but you you got to be smart about it but you know two o'clock in the morning you know there's a you know uh some suspicious circumstances about it you know we or, or they just run. We, we had a lot of stolen cars and they've always run. And now, you know, I know a lot of agencies, most agencies won't even pursue a stolen car. Or, oh, no. So, no. It's just property crime. But, so, what do you, so, yeah, so what do you do? You know, what are we doing here? And, uh, but I think if, you know, if you can live with that and a lot of people that are coming into the job now, are li- that's all they know. They can live with that and they, could, they can go on and, you know, do something different in the agency. Um, and, and, you know, find happiness wherever that might be and, and stay with it because it is a secure job. Well, I came in in 2016 into the job, and I remember th- that was when all of this was kicking off. And I remember thinking, okay, I sort of get it, the pursuit thing. How, because of the way I thought about it is this, is if the police were chasing somebody and the squad car careened. Or no, let's say this. The bad guy careened into my family and killed them all. Would I blame the police? And my... My, my um, first instinct was to say, no, I wouldn't. And I, and I really wouldn't. But then I thought about, what if you thought about it? If it happened, and then you're like, my whole family's dead for a stolen car. I'm not saying I'm a liberal. But I, and I, and I know they don't do it for that. They do it because they don't want, um, they don't want there to be any liability for lawsuits. Right. But, but, but you know, let, let, let's take a look at that from the other side. I, I, 
let's say that's why they do it. You know, chief sheriffs, administrations, whatever. That's why they do. That's fine. But you got to have that that um, cohesiveness with the courts and the prosecutors to when they catch these guys because if you can do some investigating, catch them, you you hurt them bad. You you put them in jail for a long long time. And, but there's none of that. So. You know, even the guy who's got no criminal record just, you know, maybe had a couple of drinks at a party and says, well, I got blue lights on my back window. I'm, I'm leaving and takes yeah. off. I mean, there's no incentive for him to stop. You know, really, there's no incentive for him to stop. But but if he gets caught, you know, they blow his tires out down the road with stop sticks and they catch him. What's I've he, seen what, agents what's do, he it, get? do it. Weekends? <laughs> I mean, it, 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 and so there, there's nothing, there's nothing to... Uh, there's no consequences for anybody that does it. So they're going to do it and you're not going to chase them. And that's just the way it goes, you know? Well, I guess we'll end it with kind of whatever you wanted to bring to light. And I know, I just wanted to ask you, I remember, I don't know if it was for like self therapy or just understanding your life when you got out of the of police work, but you wrote a book yeah, and then you never published yeah, it. Yeah. I, 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 what was that about? Well, I had a lot of bad shit happen to me in my career, and a lot of been through a lot, been through a lot of things, and you know, um, and you know, I guess it was self therapy is all it was. I was, uh, you know, I was uh, angry at some things that happened. Um, I had some questions about other things that happened. I had some unfinished business with things that happened, and you know, I I just thought, well, I'm going to write a book on how to teach young cops how to protect themselves. Or from people fucking you over? Well, that, that still happens. That.